Happy Monday and welcome back to another edition of the Airport Minute, where each and every week, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest disaster movie ever made, Airport from 1970. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv. And today we are thrilled. We have the real Mel Bakersfield with us. Uh who works at the real Lincoln International Airport, Mr. Phil Burke, the general manager of the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. Thank you for being on our podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to talk a little bit about our airport and, uh, and that great movie. This is great. I, I was wondering, what you. I'm, I would think that a lot of people in the airport business, people that we know in the airlines and stuff, have seen this movie. When did you first realize that you were the real-life Burt Lancaster? I would say uh, the first time I, I can remember it specifically was actually when uh, Jim sent me the email and made the correlation. Uh, that was probably two weeks ago. So uh, before <laughs> that, I, I didn't uh, draw the correlation. And it had been so long since I had seen the movie and, and really seen the movie uh, from start to finish like I, I did in the last uh, day or so. Does it give you a kind of vertigo when you're seeing this? You're going, wow, that, that's my that, that's my job. Or, yeah, I, I, well, uh, yeah, it is. It, it's my job in a lot of ways, but obviously a lot of differences. And uh, uh, But it definitely, uh, from my perspective, very enjoyable to see our airport, uh, you know, portrayed the way it was. And, you know, the other thing I took away from the movie was it's pretty – uh, realistic in a lot of ways. And certainly, they're you know Dean Martin trash talking everybody uh, is is probably not uh, as realistic as uh, you might think. But uh, on the whole, there, there's a lot of uh, realism to it. Does a lot of your um, day to day conversations in the wintertime concern snow removal and the runways and meetings and things about just getting rid of the snow? Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a big uh, topic of interest. Uh, but the one, you know, there, and as I had talked to you uh, a little while ago, uh, some of the differences, um, Mel Bakersfield was, was deeply involved in the, in the operation. And, I, and certainly that was an emergency operation. And I would see myself being uh, in, in more of a direct role. But on our day-to-day operation, and let's say that we have a 6-inch snowfall or even a 12-inch snowfall, mm-hmm. the operation of our airport is at our assistant manager level, both from an airside operation standpoint and from a snow removal or our field maintenance department standpoint. Individuals that are, uh, you know, that are very involved with it on a day-to-day basis, they're the ones running the airport. When I go out there and either go to our airside operations department or actually jump in a snowplow and, and ride along, I'm there really uh, just for support and and really to... To, you know, just like I said, support those uh, individuals that are that are doing the the real work. So uh, they don't need me uh, for most uh, situations. Uh, like I said, I go along for support and uh, and to learn more about what they're doing. So uh, you don't uh, you delegate a lot better than Mel. It sounds like. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, there's no way with you know our our snow removal operation probably on a when we have an all crew. Uh, type event with uh, all of our crew and then temporaries and seasonals we're we're probably getting close to 200 individuals so uh, there's a lot of delegating that goes on and uh, we have a you know I think we are 
world known worldwide for our ability and our uh, excellence in snow removal and you know we have lots of different airports that come and visit us looking for uh, best practices and and we are always willing to share uh, and certainly uh, appreciate that that recognition by other airports that are in the snow belt you know I think of Detroit I think of Toronto those are the the two that come to mind right away that have been here uh, within the last couple of years do they just we're, as we watch this movie all the time? There's a million questions that we have. Do you still use the um, uh, what look like flamethrowers on the back of a truck to melt ice on on the runways? Is that a common thing? We don't, and that was that was fun to see uh, to see you know the the old way that it was done. Uh, it's done now with uh, predominantly with chemicals and uh, pretty interesting science that goes along with that and the timing of when to put that chemical down and uh, it, it really becomes uh, an art really for when to put that when to put it down so that it it doesn't get blown away by either the wind or by jet blast and uh, and so there, there's always an interesting timing that goes on and I've been with our again uh, assistant managers as they are determining when to put that down and uh, it can be a little bit nerve-wracking because if they if they do it too soon and uh, the chemical doesn't take effect and then we end up with a skating rink we could have a problem and that it hasn't happened since I've been in this role uh, but I, I hear stories of it how it happened years and years ago you know uh, 12 14 years ago where we actually ended up with a, an iced over runway and then then you're putting it on a different chemical and then you're you know you're you're doing removing it mechanically with uh, road graders and uh, and just trying to to pluck it that way yeah it uh now do you have you had situations where planes have uh, gone into a snowbanks on landing as has that, has that happened to you and not not in my experience, um, okay. and thankfully. I, I, I look back to uh, one of the things that I did when I was in college was uh, I interned with uh, Federal Express down in Memphis and got an opportunity to jump seat one day to Detroit. That's where my sister lived. And uh, I'm in the jump seat, and it's a snowstorm. And uh, the captain steered the plane right off of the taxiway, and uh, there we were stuck. You know, similar to the uh, the seven hundred seven in the movie today. Wow. The other uh, the other thing I, I keep wondering about uh, if if something like that happened, would you be the responsible area to get the uh, to get the plane removed, or is that something that would fall back on the airline? I would I would think that they'd be worried about their jet more than your responsibility. Yeah, I mean, and I've I've got a specific example that I can share with you that happened uh, three winters ago. We had a uh, a shorts three sixty land, uh, and a one of the main gear collapsed on uh, it was runway three zero left, and uh, the runway or the uh, the aircraft was came to a halt on the runway. And then it became this whole production on getting that aircraft off of the runway and then being mindful of the, the aircraft itself and not doing any damage to it. So there were lots of parties involved. There was, uh, you know, all the way up to, to our CEO at the time was out on the runway getting, getting briefed. Uh, the airlines were involved. Delta Airlines, obviously, with their main presence here, had uh, lots of their maintenance personnel 
trying to help us. Uh, you know, when something like that occurs, and, and I think George Kennedy said it in the movie, too, is that, you know, when uh, something occurs, it, he, he had made some reference to the circus and how, uh, you know, when something irregular happens, then everybody jumps on board to try to help out. And that was that case. Uh, so Delta was involved with trying to come up with a solution for removing the plane off of the runway without uh, doing any damage to it. And then the the airline itself, it was a cargo carrier, uh, was in contact saying, please, you know, that's one of my only two aircraft, whatever you can do to uh, to not do any damage as you remove it, I would we would greatly appreciate. So um, the the good news in all of that was the timing of it, that the aircraft landed late in the evening and we were able to, and, and the winds were such that we, we could do without that runway until about 11 a.m. the next day. So there, all of the hands were on deck. Everybody was trying to come up with solutions as to how to get that plane off of the runway. And uh, the all of the solutions uh, essentially didn't work. And uh, wow. what we ended up doing was uh, just gambling and hooking up a tug to it and, and dragging it off of the runway. And uh, the gear didn't collapse anymore. And the, the plane was very stable and just smoothly uh, exited the runway. And it was like, you know, we spent about eight hours trying to to come up with a, a very gentle solution. We finally just pull it out of there and the aircraft responded beautifully. So we, wow, uh, yeah. yeah, we got lucky in that case. You, yeah. It's uh, I, I would think, I mean, that's one of the things that airport, the movie kind of lines up as what the liability is. You've got this, you know, multi-million dollar aircraft that you're trying to save, but at the same time it's blocking traffic on, you know, on one of your major uh, tra- traffic routes. Exactly. So, so it was, uh, it, it was very accurate in that regard. Wow, uh, I don't know. Like on uh, on this movie, Airport, we've had we have uh, runway two nine as their primary, and two two is their backup. What is uh, MSP's uh, runways layout? Yeah, and it actually used to be uh, our our parallel runways used to be uh, two nine two nine left and two nine right, and you know for for uh, you know scientific reasons beyond my explanation we've changed from two nine to three zero so we've got the two parallels that uh, that run northwest southeast we still have runway uh, 422 that they reference in the movie and then we have a new runway that was uh, opened up in 2005 uh, a north south runway 1735 wow uh, and your but is is your primary is three zero is that I mean is correct that the one that uh, most yeah people come that, in? okay yeah the runway the our primary utilized runways are the two parallels uh, three zero left three zero right how many how many uh, uh, taxiways do you have coming off of them I think they went down to uh, uh, taxi well taxiway echo is where the is where the plane went off but I I didn't think they had that many taxiways on there I don't know how many you yeah. have on on yours but well uh, we don't have a taxiway echo. Um, and you know, I don't know off the top of my head exactly how many taxiways I can. Uh, I'm looking at an aerial map in my office here, and I can I can come up with it as we're uh, as we're talking more. Oh, I, I have to ask, as compared with uh, with Mel's office, is, is yours wood paneled? I would think that the the 60s have kind of gone away. Yeah, it's a it's a little updated from that, uh, and uh, I'm I'm very fortunate in the the office that I've got. It's uh, 
the view that I've got, I'm looking out right now. I'm, I'm looking out at three zero left and a, and a Delta uh, 767 just took off. And uh, and then I can see our, our Minneapolis uh, skyline. And then I can also see the uh, part of runway um, three zero right and four two two and uh, 17. So very good view. As far as taxiways go, though, um, as we we're as we we're talking, I counted I think fourteen uh, different taxiways that we have. Wow! Yeah, uh, we've got a very important question. We've been trying sure. to figure this out forever. How many fireplaces are there at MSP? We, we, <laughs> I, I saw be... that when I watched the movie. It's like, oh man, maybe that's the next thing I have to uh, eh. shoot for. <laughs> we're pretty conservative yeah, I... as an organization, so I don't think of fireplaces in my future. Okay. Um, the uh, other thing is, when is the last time that you wore a tux? <laughs> wow. Let's see. My uh, my senior prom in high school, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, Do you have you ever come across anyone like I, we were surmising that that uh that there were a lot of local people who were extras in that movie? Have you ever met anyone that was in uh, in airport? You know, I was watching it. Um, as, as I was watching it, I was thinking that exact thing, but uh, I have not ever come across anybody, nor did I recognize anybody in the movie. Wow. And uh, one of the things that uh, Mel in the movie says is that you buy for the average and then you work around the clock. Do you act, do you, is that the way you handle uh, most snow disasters, that you just buy for an average thing, or do you have some uh, extra plows and, and such for in, you know, in reserve for the really bad times? I would say uh, that there there wouldn't be a situation that we couldn't man for or equipment uh, or, or, or not have enough equipment for. We are we're very fortunate that uh, we've got uh, great resources and new resources. Uh, we, just, we just recognize the, the importance of keeping this, uh, this airport open and, and uh, like I said, we've got a reputation for it, and Delta Airlines, our, our major tenant, uh, expects it and appreciates the uh, the excellence that goes into keeping the, the airport open under all circumstances. So uh, we don't necessarily uh, buy for average and then uh, and then work around it. I'd say that uh, what we what we do is like from a staffing standpoint, uh, we don't staff permanent staffing for uh, the worst case. What we do is we have a, uh, I wouldn't say a skeletal crew, but it's a, let's say that in our field maintenance, I think we have about 120 individuals. And uh, during the winter time, we can bring that number up to about 180 with uh, seasonals and temporary workers. Oh, when, you, when you're watching the movie, I know that, you know that, that there's that main in, I think it's Terminal 1, where you can see uh, what's supposed to be Mel's office on the uh, on the balcony deck? Are there still locations that you've seen in the movie that are, that are still around? Um, well, you know the uh, the ticketing lobby is uh, is still the ticketing lobby. Unfortunately, I mean we're uh, we are undergoing a major remodel of our ticketing and baggage that you won't know them back after this. But you know, right, right now our ticketing lobby, other than, you know, the signage updates and whatnot is essentially the same as it looked in the movie as wow. you know, where, where Mel's office was is, uh, is our mezzanine. Those offices don't exist anymore, but that space still exists. Yes. And uh, yes. so there's some, there's still some similarities there, but 
uh, in the next five years, that's all going away. So, and thankfully so. I mean, we are uh, we're running a 1960 terminal with 2016 passenger statistics and uh, forecasts of uh, nothing but growth. That's so that's it, an interesting it, question. Like, uh, I get, how would you estimate the air traffic has has grown since you know 1970 in your airport? Um, Double, well, I, triple. I, no, it's way way more than that. I think I wow. estimated uh, that in in 1970 ish, we were probably doing about four million passengers a year, and in 2015 we did 36 million. Wow! So yeah, wow. so ninefold. It's uh, it's a major major uh, uptick in in growth and still being serviced. Uh, you know, the ticketing lobby and bag claims still servicing. Uh, that that population or that increase in population certainly our concourses have grown dramatically. We're up uh, Terminal One alone has got a, uh, about 120 gates. I'm not exactly sure how many existed in uh, in the world of the that movie. It was probably just the E and the F concourse, so that's probably 30 gates at that point. Do I do you get do you get home at regular times? So I was just thinking, you know, Mel. One of Mel's biggest problems is that he's always at work. <laughs> right. He never gets home. I I would hope that you. I mean, I realize you probably put in really long days, but uh, hopefully not everything's a disaster every day that you do get a chance to exactly. get out of the office. I think. No, and uh, again, I sleep well at night knowing uh, that our staff is. Uh, I like to say and think the the best in the business. So. Um, you know we're we're open 24/7. We have operational staff here 24/7. So uh, I work uh, you know a standard. I was actually here a little before seven today because I actually had a seven o'clock meeting. But uh, I'll be done by five-ish today and uh, and I'll go home. But it's just during irregular operations and whether that's uh, you know a snow event or I mean there there's instances that come up whether it's security related and. Uh, that's not my direct responsibility, but I certainly get involved with it during uh, during an emergency. That things will come up, and then you know you're going to be here late at late at night, and that's probably no different than a lot of different kinds of businesses. That uh, you know, if an emergency occurs, then uh, you're expected to be there. Do you have? Uh, I would think that there's some kind of annual convention of managers of of airports that get together. Do you get? get to see other managers to uh you know swap war stories and figure out solutions to problems like that is there yeah. an association yeah the industry is is full of that um there's there's two large leading uh, uh organizations the uh, association of american airport executives triple ae and then uh airport council international aci that that are the two biggest organizations and they're always holding these types of uh you know, events and, and just in May, I was in Houston for uh, the AAAE annual convention, and and lots of uh, individuals that are in the same business that I'm in. You know, at, at other airports, and yeah, we have uh, there. There's a lot of like-minded individuals at those, and uh, some best practices that get uh, shared. And you know, you you always like to think that you come away learning something. I one of the things I like is uh, is learning the the individuals so that uh, you can pick up the phone and you know and uh, it's not just a, an inter- introduction. It's somebody that you know. Uh, now, Ed, Delta is your largest uh, 
uh, tenant, uh, your, your client at the airport. Do you have a Patroni at Delta? Is there somebody that you call when you're trying to figure something out? <laughs> I, I might have a few Patronis, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, you know, and that's one of the things that I, uh, is, that really uh, makes our airport special is, is that there is a day-to-day partnership that's going on um, what, that it's kind of a you know a three-legged stool. Whether it's uh, the airport and the in my world the airlines and then the uh, regulatory agencies TSA and CBP specifically, and we're working together on a day-to-day basis. So when things come up, uh, you know we're communicating. You know when when Delta had that uh, you know their their power outage and system failure, um, I was in you know, almost hourly contact with Delta and, and supporting them in whatever way that we could. Wow. Um, I have to, I also have to ask, do you have uh, any sisters who are married to pilots? I don't. I don't. Okay. I, that, <laughs> there's, well, there's no Dean Martin in your life. No, no. And, uh, you know, that was the other thing that uh, rewatching the movie, it's like, wow, there was a lot of smoking and a lot of cheating going on in that Yeah, movie. yeah. <laughs> And, and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, coffee. And is there any place in MSP where you can get sandwiches with the crust cut off? That's <laughs> it's, it's it's probably that, maybe that that would be a, a link to getting a getting a fireplace in there. Right, that's, right. That's, that's what it seems we to have be enough missing. concessions where we probably could find it, but uh, not nothing comes to mind. No. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, it is. It is an amazing. It's amazing to see. You know, to know that there is a real life version of it. And it, I'm always surprised at how uh, the the common element when talking with people uh, in the business, uh, pilots and, and you know, and general managers of uh, of airports, the realism is a lot higher than you'd expect in in this kind of a soap opera of a movie. Yeah, I mean, it might have been uh, you know dramatized a little bit, but uh, a lot of the you know the uh, the the elements of it were were very solid. I one of the other notes I made was uh, protesters. You saw the protesters that were outside yeah. the terminal. Uh, they happened to be protesting noise, but you know what? One of the things that I'm responsible for is issuing permits for freedom of expression, and we've got protesters. Uh, I just I've got permits for the next month sitting on my desk right now. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing's changed there at all. Something's never changed. Wow. Um, I had I had one quick question. If you remember in the credits. They had a truck with like flamethrowers going down the the oh yeah the runway. Mark, Mark Mark had dropped out during part of this call and oh, had, okay. had, uh, apparently what what they do now is rather than using flames they use uh, rather specific chemicals to get rid of oh, stuff. Okay, okay. Oh, probably not setting fire to the lawn underneath is a good idea. Too. <laughs> but they actually uh, did use those back in the day. Absolutely, yeah. That oh. was that was the method. It, is DuPonte Aviation still around? Because I noticed that that it's rather prominent in the uh, in the credits. The large uh, hangar for uh, for a, a company called DuPonte Aviation, which I think was a pioneer in in Minneapolis for uh, uh, for bringing in uh, aircraft. Yeah, I uh, the hangar that I'm thinking of no longer exists, um, and it was actually uh, right next to our, our aircraft, air traffic control tower. And uh, that was tore down probably five years ago. But we used it for many, many years ourselves. Uh, they're not in uh, that business isn't uh, around here anymore. But we were certainly using the facility as long as we could until we had to tear it down for uh, you know structural and environmental reasons. Sure, no, I understand. Um, one of the things we may be doing as as we wrap up uh, uh, this 
uh, this podcast has come up to uh, to come up to MSP and try to uh, broadcast from, or not or podcast from on site, and uh, really look forward to if if you're around to to see you if we if if you're in the neighborhood. Absolutely, um, we'd love to have you. Uh, is also is there a real snow desk? Is there some place that people that, that you you call to find out about you know how conditions are currently? Absolutely, that's our uh, what I was referring to earlier as our airside operations department, and uh, yeah, that's there. That's our command center when we uh, when we go into a snow event. And do those guys uh, they, get the summer off? <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Uh, but you know, like our our uh, snowplow operators are the ones that are really tied to the phone in the winter uh, when there's a snow event and they get called in, um, you know, and to their credit, they, they, uh, jump at the chance to come in and, uh, and keep our airport open. But it, a lot of times it's at the expense of their family. So, uh, as a matter of fact, this morning, uh, that 7am, uh, meeting that I had was a breakfast with one of our field maintenance, uh, individuals and, uh, we talked exactly about that, where, you know, his job in the winter supersedes his uh, his family uh, activities, and uh, I, I want them to know that I certainly appreciate that. But they, what they do uh, is, is they take a bunch of time off in the summer and um, and get their vacation, most of their vacation time in during the summer. Mm-hmm. It's almost it's almost like the reverse of farming. It's a, you yeah, know, exactly. That's a good uh, correlation. Yeah. Now, did they still use the conga line as a as a style of Absolutely. cleaning the runways? Or? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that's a that's a, a very common uh, commonly used technique that uh, almost every snow event we're uh, utilizing. What is the wow. biggest one that you've handled? I mean, does one, I'm sure you've handled a million of them, but does any one jump out at you? You know, they don't, uh, honestly. Uh, as far as, like, uh, snowfall, maybe 14 inches uh, at one time. Mm. Uh, but what we'll get is a lot of smaller events, you know, uh, a, a day after day of two inches, three inches. And, and that can be challenging because what happens is, is typically we get a, a snow squall come through, dumps a bunch of snow, and moves on, and then we get to – you know, uh, clear it to keep the airport open. And then we do a bunch of cleanup for the next week. And when you have all of those onesie twosies, it, it can make it challenging for our guys to catch up and get the, the place cleaned up. Yeah. It must be exhausting too. If you're you know constantly doing that day after day, exactly. and going out and banging it out and have it all go away the next day. Right. Um, but it's uh yeah, it's, it's a fascinating thing in, in watching this movie. There's a lot of stuff that I never even considered that you have to you have to handle, and it's just I'm. It, it's nice to see just the regular work of an airport shown on screen as being vital to keeping all the other all the other moving pieces going. Right. Uh, yeah. Astonishing stuff. I I have to thank you. I uh, uh, I noticed in your bio that you worked uh, a while back in a previous life. You worked for Masaba Airlines. Uh, I did. I pre I previously worked for uh, Avro Aerospace. Oh sure. Masaba bought the first uh, uh, regional RG85s, jets. RJ85s. Yeah. That's that's right, and uh, you guys pay, paid my mortgage for many months. So thank you <laughs> very much for for that past job. Um, they were a they were a great little uh, commuter plane, and uh, it's it, they're they're not around as much as the, as they used to be. But it was uh, it was great having Masaba as a customer back then. Good um, to hear. So, uh, well, gee, thank Phil, thank you so much for uh, for ha- uh, for being part of our show here, and uh, it's a great kickoff to our to our week. Um, we hope to finish up uh, with airport 
in, uh, I think we're going to be ending in the middle of February, but we'll probably finish recording in January. So That's maybe a good in the time de- to be in Minneapolis, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Come on up. Yeah, no, no, we, yeah we'd, we'd love to yeah. do that. Maybe we can uh, we can record these from uh, from your airport and, and just check out some, you know, whatever remains of the original uh, shooting locations. Absolutely. Love to have you. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, f- Phil, thank you so much uh, for, for being a part of this, and uh, we'll, we'll see you hopefully in January. Uh, for everybody listening in, if you'd like to uh, comment on uh, this particular episode or any other episode, we're available on social media, on Twitter at Airport Minute. We're available on uh, Facebook, Airport Minute. Also, check out the Airport Minute Commanders Club, where you can respond uh, as well on Facebook. If you're not subscribed, we're 100 minutes in, and, or 101 minutes in, so you really should subscribe and get this delivered Monday through Friday on iTunes. Uh, just search for Airport Minute, and subscribe button is right there. Leave a positive review, because we can always use those to help other people find uh, this particular podcast. And, of course, we also have our big website, airportminute.com, where you can catch up on all the previous episodes, comment on anything, uh, leave notes. And uh, also, we have, uh, if you look on the right-hand side of the Pages for the episodes, you can pick up a copy of Airport or any of its uh, sequels uh, in book form or in movies. Uh, They're available from Amazon, and buying something from there helps out the website. Uh, Phil, thank you again so much. Uh, We will continue Tuesday with more uh, Mayhem in the Skies as Gwen and uh, Ada Quonset put their little uh, play act in front of uh, the Mad Bomber. (laughs) Uh, And uh, we'll be picking that up on Tuesday. So thanks for being with us, and until tomorrow, good day. Bye-bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.